Hi, this is Brad, one of the co-hosts of Titanomachy and Nerdacy. We just wanted to give you a heads up, in this episode, we're going to be talking about the movie Heathers, which is an incredibly dark film that deals with very serious subject matter. I wanted to provide a trigger warning for the subjects of sexual abuse, school shootings, self-harm, bulimia, and suicide. There is no shame in not wanting to hear about these. We completely understand if you want to listen to something else. Just wanted to give that to you ahead of time. Stay safe out there, guys. Return to the incredible world of wonders. Relive the greatest adventure of all time. The Odyssey. Hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, Nerdacy. I'm Hayden. And I'm Brad. Yeah, welcome to Nerdacy. I'm really excited about this one. Oh, yeah. Uh, so this is episode two. Uh, first episode we recorded, we had Jess on. She's not here right now. She's actually out camping with her family. Whoop, whoop. Uh, she also told me whenever I brought up this movie, because I, as a, as a forewarning, today we're talking about Heathers, which I imagine I'm you so know sorry. because you uh, clicked on this, but... What? Nah. Um, <laughs> so I, I knew nothing about Heathers. I, for... Not to get too much into what I thought the movie was, but I had seen uh, Mean Girls when I was, like, 17 years old. And I thought it was going to be like, oh, yeah, this is, like, 90s Mean Girls or, like, 80s Mean Girls or whatever. Uh, it's 80s. Have you seen those shoulder pads? Yes. I, I think it's, like, 1988 or 1989. Uh, the point is... It's 89. Yeah, it's 89. Yeah. Yep. Yes. That's why. Yep. Yes. I I was very, very wrong. Um, But... uh. I, I asked Jess, you know, hey, uh, do you want to check this out? Because I was like, I think it's kind of like uh, uh, Mean Girls. And then she's like, oh, no, that movie's just, like fucked up. <laughs> she was like, I don't. <laughs> she was like, we talked about it in a class. I don't, I don't, I don't think I'd feel good watching it. And I'm like, all right. Uh. Yeah, this movie is a lot. Like, it's, you described it as like a movie you'd watch in like a film class or something. Yeah, it it reads like a college book, like a book that you'd analyze in like a college class about like, honestly, kind of maybe about school shootings. Uh, mm-hmm. Not not to go too and far in. No, and that actually that makes a lot of sense, especially if you've not seen the film. I was familiar with Heather's. I've seen it about. I think this is like my fourth time watching it this year fourth or fifth i just really enjoy this film i got to know about heathers because of the broadway musical or the off-broadway right. musical which is fantastic and if you guys have seen this movie or if you listen to the musical and you want to know more about like the plot and stuff like that watch the movie it's so good it's fantastic if you get a chance to i know it, i think it's still on or it was before you know the virus took over um there's a uk version which is so fantastic right uh i i've listened to a bit of the music it's very very good uh Uh i'll actually bring up the other thing that i knew heathers for really before this was a hayden and mine's mutual friend Alyssa park would just sort of post about the musical on twitter and then i'd see heathers and then i'm like taking context clues trying to be like oh yeah heathers and then i'm like all right so it's a movie about girls named heather in high school and then there's a musical i'm like oh yeah this is like a legally blonde or or a mean girl situation and i cannot stress enough how wrong i was oh yeah no you're like it's mean girls i'm like well mean girls is incredibly derivative of heathers yes it is it is a sanitized uh heathers i'd argue oh yeah 
This is uh, not to say one is better than the other or not, because I, I don't feel like it's fair to pit these movies against each other. They're no, they're they're very different films, but I love them both. Heather's is one of my favorite properties, and I could sit down and just put this movie on pretty much at any time. Like it is a lot emotionally, but God, I love it. I watched this. I showed this movie to my mom actually. Oh shit! Like over the holidays, um, when I was back in Canada. And she's like, I was like, so? Because I showed her the musical when we were, like, driving home from something. I think we went to go see The Invisible Man. Oh, yeah, that's another fucked up one. And then, oh, it was really interesting until they're like, oh, this is what how it works. I'm like, ah, you showed the monster suit, and now I'm not scared. <laughs> I mean, I, I've, I've heard at the very least that it's, it's interesting because the dude is, like, gaslighting her the whole movie. Oh, He's my God. Like, it's an asshole. Oh, it's the perfect representation of an abusive relationship yes which is very very relevant to this film as well yeah to lead into what we're talking about this movie essentially centers around different kinds of abuse yes so strap in kids yes we're talking about heathers start us off birdly yes uh so Quick, before we really kick this off, quick shout out to Elissa for uh, mentioning this and uh, properly sort of setting up the football for me to guess what this movie is wrong. So thank you, Elissa. Uh, and then in addition... Hi, Elissa. Hey, this is Future Brad editing this podcast. I must have been tired as hell because our friend's name is pronounced Elisa the French way. I'm really sorry, Elisa. I fucked up for Hayden and myself. Really didn't mean to disrespect you. Uh, sorry about that. Now we return to your scheduled programming. Uh, thank you, Caitlin, our patron, for assigning this to us. Yes, thank you for putting this on the recommendations, Caitlin. I, when Brad sent me the list, I'm like, we're watching Heather's. Yes, it was almost immediate. <laughs> I need you to experience this film with me. Yeah, no, it was like right away. I was like, yep, this is what we're watching. You gave us some other really good ones that I want to watch. Yes. But yeah, no, Heather's. I had to watch this movie with Brad. Yes. Okay. Uh, we might get around to those. Uh, time will tell. But let's kick off. All right, so this podcast, uh, in contrast to our first episode, which was a train wreck of me not knowing when to shut the fuck up, uh, this one, from now on for Nerdacy, is now broken into segments. Uh, the first one is Theogony. So that's context for the movie. Uh, there'll be a sound effect in here. I don't know what it'll be. Um, Theogony. It'll, yeah, it'll, it'll be part of that. <laughs> Theogony. <laughs> uh, so, Something. yes. So, internal context for the movie. As you said, movie came out in 89? Uh, it takes place in 89. I actually don't know when this movie came out. Okay, I think <laughs> I think it's 88. I'm not sure. Uh, I believe it's 88 because there is a line in the movie. It's like, oh my God, Heather, bulimia is so 87, which we'll get into. Uh, the only yes. reason I have that line so committed to memory is because it's in the opening song of the musical. Yes. Um, so, uh, the star of this movie... Uh, 89. It came out in 89. Yes. Okay. Thank you. You you are you are the Heather's expert. No, I just Googled it. <laughs> <laughs> You're still the Heather's expert. Like, I don't... B- between the two of us, you are undoubtedly the Heather's expert. Um, I guess. Yeah, do continue. <laughs> okay. So, uh... For those of you who don't know, the star of this movie is Winona Ryder. Uh, 
more people now might know her as the mom Joyce from uh, Stranger Things, but I mean, I know her originally as uh, fucking uh, God Lydia and uh, yeah, I was gonna say like Lydia Dietz and Beetlejuice. I had actually speaking of Beetlejuice, I had never seen the movie. Oh. Um, until recently, I watched it just before coming back to the United States, and um, I love that movie. That movie rules. Oh, it's so good. And in the 80s, Winona Ryder was fucking everywhere. Yeah. She was everywhere, and she's she's got, especially, like, young Winona Ryder, I just want to talk about this, is she has such, like, a unique acting style. Yes. Like, it grabs you in such a different and unique way and i love it she is i get i guess the the closest comparison for an actress that i know because i know very very few actors and actresses um is like a a a more sort of sarcastic zoe de chanel energy oh yeah no she has almost like especially like as lydia but she has like this goth zoe de chanel energy to her like she has a goth energy just to her personality like goth isn't just the style it's a personality type too yes which i have learned being like ah i have my inner goth kid that is screaming to get out (laughs) yes um the uh co-star of the film i I guess he's the co-star uh he would be the co-star because this movie is about veronica yes uh so, so like, Veronica's the main character. Uh, the secondary mains would be the Heathers, and then this guy, which is uh, Jason Dean. They call him JD. Who's yeah, played call by, him JD. He's uh, Christian Slater, who I know exclusively who Christian Slater is because of jokes and ghost stories. <laughs> I was reading your notes, and I saw that. I'm like, a fucking course. That's how you know <laughs> I had, him. I had no idea who he was. I'm like, this, I think this is the only movie I've ever seen him in. I have no fucking clue what he what he's done otherwise. Uh, Christian Slater. Young Christian Slater was so hot. <laughs> he. I was talking about this movie with my friend Lucia, who loves it and is actually working on an audio drama version of Heather's, uh, where I play Heather Duke. Um, nice. and we would like, we would talk about this movie. We're like, JD's got to be hot. Like he's got to sound hot because that's how he sucks you in. That he's attractive and kind of mysterious and he fucks up your life. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so in terms of visuals, um, if anyone out there is familiar with Twin Peaks, to me, Jason Dean immediately reminded me of, uh, James from Twin Peaks. He's like the biker kid. I have no idea who that is. I've never seen Twin Peaks. Oh, uh, you should uh, you should check it out sometime. It's it's really fucking weird, but I think you'd uh, enjoy it. Oh, and he sounds a lot like Jason Marsden as Max from the Goofy movie. Oh yeah, no, he sounds yeah, he definitely sounds like Jason Marsden. Which I'm so sad, man. I don't know if I told you this, but I was oh. supposed to go to Momocon this year, like as a guest. Yeah. And fucking Jason Marsden and. Uh, the voice of Goofy. I can't remember his oh, name. Oh, Bill Farmer. Fuck. Bill Farmer. They were both supposed to be there. And I was like, fuck. I'm so upset. I'm uh. so upset it got canceled. Like, I did MomoCon online, which I'm like, cool, fun. But I want to meet Max Goof. <laughs> okay. I need to meet Kovu. Okay. That's cool, man. I'm sorry. That's. No, it's fine. Sorry. You mentioned Jason Marsden. I was like, oh, yeah, I was supposed That's to meet that guy. It's fine. Anyway, continue. <laughs> no, you're good. Don't worry about it. Cut in whatever. Um, so, uh, all right. The other character from Beetlejuice that I recognized immediately, uh, if 
any of you have seen Beetlejuice, there's the uh, weird. I guess I guess he's the real estate he's guy. The, he's like a he's home... the life. No, he's the life coach. He okay, is he's a life coach. Delia's, he's Delia's life coach. I I was unclear about. <laughs> he's just. Kind of, I I don't know if they ever say the words life coach because he he's just kind of hanging around the whole movie. He's just like a guy that they have there. Uh, you so need I, to rewatch the movie because I've rewatched it twice since seeing it initially, and they do say he's the life coach. Okay, I thought he was like their fucking like interior designer or like their fucking like feng shui guy because he's just kinda, kind of he's he's just he's just the weird dude that uh, Lydia's mom just sort of has around that just suggests insane bullshit. Yeah. Um, but he's in this movie. He's the priest at the church uh, who gives insane eulogies at the funeral. Uh, and he has a fantastic line, which is, I hope all the teenagers know the radical dude who can solve all their problems. His name is Jesus. <laughs> I know, that's one of my favorite lines in this movie, just next to, fuck me gently with a chainsaw. Those are two of my favorite fucking lines from this movie. It's so good. I love yes. that actor, because he's just so, like, weird. He's very, he's very strange. I have no idea where he is now. But he was, uh, <sighs> he's great in these two films. I know that much. Did this come out after Beetlejuice? I think so. I want to say yes. That's I, probably that's probably why. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, either way, like, if he was sufficiently weird enough in one movie, I could see the director of either movie being like, "Yeah, fucking get that back, get that guy back." Just we we either we need him for our weird priest or we need him for our weird fucking life coach. Sh- shaman summoner guy yeah this ca- this came out a year after uh beetlejuice oh okay. and he was also the mayor in nightmare before christmas oh he's the mayor in nightmare before christmas that's cool that, I, I that never makes know sense that. that makes sense yeah that's awesome that makes sense okay cool yeah i just had to look that up yeah it's cool as fuck that makes sense all right uh i also have written down because the uh, recurring theme on titanomaki was us checking uh Hayden, if you were drinking something to make it through the pain, you went through this, no drinks. No, I don't. Well, Titanomaki, that's a different story. Yes. And it's never like, okay, I just want to clarify. <laughs> when I am having a drink during Titanomaki, not really during the podcast itself, I, but I would, more I would watching the show, I mean, I could. God. But I want to okay. clarify something. Because this is more for me than That's anything. Fine. Is fine. when I have a drink watching the show, it is a drink. And it is not like high proof shit. Like it's like a glass of wine or it's like a drink of something, like a hard seltzer, like a white claw or something. I want to clarify that I'm not drinking to drunkenness while watching the show. It's like a drink just to numb the pain a little. <laughs> I think. I think you're fine. I don't think anyone out there is assuming that you come into this and you just don't remember what we watched. Like, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I don't remember what we watched. I mean, that seems <laughs> but unrelated. That's just, but that's just because I block out the horror of Titans. Yeah, it's like a, it's like trauma. Uh, if you have PTSD, you like you like suppress the memories. That's what watching Titans is like. Um, that's exactly what it's like. Um, I I do want to quickly mention though, I an idea for a. Uh, I think there's. I think they're making a Titans movie. Um, uh, when they do that, when we, when we do the podcast, you could do the thing where, like, my idea. Every ten minutes of us recording, you take one shot. Oh man, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it. Bet if sure. If the movie happens, and this is an if, I will take shots while recording that podcast. 
yeah, yeah, let's fucking do it. I'll do it. Hell, we could do it. We could do like a stream, make it, make it an occasion. Take questions. <sighs> Man, I will do it. I'll do it. I'll fucking do it. Fine. All right, yeah, let's set up. But uh, <laughs> that's 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 a different <laughs> podcast. Let's uh, we're done with the agony. I think. Is there anything else you want to mention for context for the movie? Uh, no. Let's get into it. Let's get into the Iliad. The Iliad. Okay, the Iliad. Uh, all right. Uh, and uh, imagine Winona Ryder as Achilles dragging Hector, which is uh, Christian Slater, his dead body all around Troy. That's what's happening in this section. Um, Great. Okay. So, uh, the film starts on a dream sequence of uh, three girls, all named Heather, playing polo. I did not realize what their last names were, so I I have written down in my notes, and you'll see this hidden in this section. Mm-hmm. As a, I have Alpha Heather, Servant Heather, and Helper Heather. I know I was seeing that. I was like, that's pretty great. Because I didn't I didn't recognize like Duke or the other last names because they didn't say them for a very long time in the film. No, so. it wasn't until like late in the film. Yes, so I, <laughs> so you, I have a lot of notes that are like Alpha Heather does this, Servant Heather does this, Helper Heather does this, uh. So I'll 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 list them like this. So basically, Alpha Heather is, as you can assume, the Alpha Heather. She's the mean girl. She's the popular girl. She's the leader of this DK crew of high school girls. Um, you also get the sense that she's very very conscious of her uh of her appearance, of her reputation. Um, there's a scene uh, later when they're at a college party where she gives a dude a blowjob. Or, I, I forget, does she give a dude a blowjob or does she have sex with him? Because she feels gross about it afterwards, either way. Uh, I think she just blew him. Okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm not uh, gonna, like, But build... I think, following context clues, I think she is sleeping, like, she does end up sleeping with him. Okay. Uh, but we can go into that once we get to that part of the plot. Okay, but you, you do get the sense from her, from what you see of her, that she does a lot of these things sort of feeling gross about it because she is so concerned about her image. Yeah. Um, and then Helper Heather is kind of her right-hand man. Who is your... What color is Hel- Helper Heather? Is the blonde. Oh, okay. Uh, McNamara. Yeah, Heather McNamara. Okay. So she she's sort of like... Whenever they need to go do something, she's the one that Alpha Heather will call to be like, all right, hey, like at the beginning of the film, she goes to get Veronica Winona Ryder for Mm -hmm. Alpha Heather. She's like sort of sent to go fetch her. And she's cool with this. She seems pretty fine with the arrangement with Alpha Heather. Um, But you also find out later in the film, she's dealing with depression. I believe her parents are getting divorced. I think... I believe so. Um, yes, and she also doesn't feel great about the relationship she's had with dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Servant Heather. Uh, Heather <laughs> so, Duke. Heather Duke. She uh, she goes along with all their decisions rather begrudgingly. I think it's implied that she's more intelligent than the other two from like a, a testing standpoint. Yeah, she seems to be more brains than anything. Yes. Uh, but she is definitely the one, because she has such a drive to, like, kind of be the best. And you see that progression throughout the entire film is that she wants to be Alpha Heather and she has Alpha Energy. 
but she's because she has that big energy actual alpha heather heather chandler is like pushing her down and keeping her self-esteem low so that she continue to be she can continue to be the top dog yeah yes and uh at the same time she's the one who is also bulimic at least for Mm -hmm. a portion of the film yeah um so this this is our core cast so veronica in this dream sequence has is like buried up to her head in this polo course while they're fucking around playing polo uh, and then she wakes up, she realizes, you know, just another day at school. Basically, the arrangement is that the three Heathers are the popular girls at the school, and Veronica goes along with them, and you find out that Veronica sort of did this uh, deliberately. Like, she became part of this clique as sort of a social move. She abandoned her old friend to do this, and you see her old friend a little bit in the movie, and she seemed, uh, Veronica seems to really regret making this decision but now she's sort of stuck with the Heathers. Um, and the Heathers are also trying to use her to like get some information from other people. Uh, they try to uh, bully a overweight girl in the cafeteria by... Yeah, uh, make... that's... No, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was like, fuck, what is her name? It's, uh... Da, da, it's da, Cassidy. Da. No, it's not Cassidy. Oh my gosh. Um, continue. I it's am Casey. so blanking. No. No, Keep it's, going. It's in the notes, I swear to God. It's not Casey. I'm telling you this right now. It is not. Oh, it's Martha Dunstock. It's Martha Dunstock. That is it. Fuck, who the fuck is Casey? Who the, where the fuck There's, did I get the name where Casey? Did you, where did you pull that out of? No, it's Martha. I was. I had to play the fucking like, musical song in my head. Be like, this person. But yeah, Martha Dunstock. She's overweight and they... Are basically targeting her uh, for that day's bullying, and they're going to write a forged letter from one of the jocks that she has a crush on. The crush isn't really developed in the movie, but they develop it more in the uh, musical. Right. And essentially, Veronica is known for her incredible forgery skills and that is taken to a dangerous level throughout the film but continue brad no worries um so uh she forges a note to the football team uh or she forges a note from the football team to her to say like yeah the football team i believe captain wants to have sex with you uh martha goes up to the football team to try to confirm this and then they immediately mock her and laugh at her uh and veronica feels terrible about this um so that sort of sets up where we are. Also, you get from the football team that the entire football team are a bunch of assholes who uh, just basically want to fuck and have no brains. Yeah, that's um, Duke and not Duke, uh, Ram and Ram Sweeney and fucking fuck. Can't remember his fucking dude's name. Whatever. Continue. <laughs> no worries. Uh, so that's what's happening there. Curtain uh, Ram. Yep. There you <laughs> Sorry. go. Sorry. There's going to be a lot of this is, fuck, I love this movie, but I'm awful at names. No, you're good. I don't, I don't fucking remember the names right now. Um, so that's that's the context of what's going on. Also, the Heathers are a little tired of the football players, it seems, because they're, they're wanting to sort of move on to greener pastures of, like, college dudes. Um, again, sort of a reputation thing. Uh, so... Uh, by Alpha Heather's suggestion, they all go to a college party, which uh, 
Veronica doesn't seem to be very keen on. Um, you also notice that Veronica is into this, I guess, new kid, uh, JD, who's this guy who sits in the corner of the cafeteria. He wears like a leather jacket. Um, I'll get into analysis of JD later and sort of uh, how what what's going on there. Um, but basically, he's sort of sitting there judging the other kids. He seems very unhappy with the situation with uh, Martha getting bullied and the football players doing this and the Heathers manipulating this. And that comes up later. But Veronica is very romantically interested in him, like from the get-go. Um, she goes to this college party, which... It's like a shitty frat party. Uh, the dude there, I I noted, two lines in between these scenes for Alpha Heather that I've written down, which is one, fuck me gently with a chainsaw. Do I look like Mother Teresa? Uh, and then they all want me as a friend or a fuck. Yep. So it's all about politics for her. It's all the understanding that this is all politics, internal high school politics. Yeah, it's all about politics, and Chan like Heather Chandler's whole thing is that her insecurities. Everyone in this movie is insecure because they're all in fucking high school. Yeah, but her insecurities manifest by she knows that she is really beautiful and very attractive, um, but she's they all want me as a friend or a fuck. She can't just be herself, so she is. So she acts like the bitch and the alpha and sleeps around because that is how she tries to find her worth is pretty much what's going on there, which is really interesting because you could just look at her as, no, she's just the bitch who hoes herself around. She's that bitch in high school we all knew. Um, But like when you actually analyze the film, there is so much more to each of these girls Right, and we'll get to that in the last section yeah. too. So we'll we'll mm-hmm. we'll go hard. I I want you specifically to go hard because I I, I think <laughs> I think you've got a lot more experience with this one because I I'll 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 talk briefly then about my weird high school experience of not existing in high school. But um, okay. Uh, so quick note about the transition, by the way, between the high school scene and the college party scene. The uh, jocks, the football jocks, go to like I think make fun of. Uh, JD in the corner of the room they're mocking him yeah so then he he basically calls them you know idiots uh he also talks like a college professor he has a very very complicated vocabulary uh he then pulls out a gun like a real ass fucking gun and he shoots them both with blanks uh which you know does not kill them it just scares them but uh yeah that that establishes sort of his mentality level of he's he's up there the whole movie he's like he he's he's fucking got that energy the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um. So they go to the college party. Uh. So. Um. The college guy at the party. I also have a line written down for when he's talking to Veronica, and he goes, "So nice to talk to a girl and not have to ask what's your major." And then he pauses because she doesn't want to answer that because that's a weird thing to say. And then he yeah. says, "So what do you think you'll study when you go to college?" <laughs> I know I fucking weirdo. It's like yeah, but I was like yeah, you're fucking drunk. You don't know what else. It's like oh, it's so nice to not have to ask this. Fuck, I don't know what to ask. Shit. Okay. Well, Well, it also shows like all all I think almost every sexual relationship in this movie outside of the main one, which is very complicated. All the sexual relationships in in this movie are like all fucked up and just sort of like 
the these are in the high school's case these are kids who are all fucked up because they don't know what they're doing in the college students case i'll say that the college students you could still argue maybe that college students are kind of still kids but like it's still a fucked up thing to be like 20 or whatever and see like a 16 year old and go hell yeah i don't want to date college girls i want to date these girls who literally don't know who they are yet fucking weird Um, but this movie acknowledges that they do acknowledge it, and for the teenagers, going to a college party is, like, this big thing. It's these older kids, and, like, being like being with the college kids is, like, getting to be something more than you are in high school. You're the cool kid because you're able to hang out with the older kids. It's, like, at any point when you were in school, think about it. It's, like, when the older kids wanted to hang out with you, oh, my God, that was the coolest thing ever. So it's yes. still, that persists. At all levels until you're out of high school and you go, what the fuck? Yes, absolutely. And uh, any any high schoolers out there listening to this, uh, generally speaking, if like college kids are like inviting you somewhere, don't go. Don't don't don't, don't, don't do, that. do that. That's As someone who's really bad idea. That's fucking. What the fuck are you doing? Like, if yeah. you're if you're a healthy, rational person in college, outside of like maybe like like guidance programs or like summer camps or shit like that to like help out with like youth or something you do not want to be like hanging out with high schoolers that's some weird no. shit yeah um, no, 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 no. That, that's how you Don't get like do that. ryan reynolds i think in waiting or whatever where where uh i think that's the movie where he's like you know uh, the best thing about uh high school girls is i get older and they stay the same i've never seen that movie actually I'm told it doesn't. I'm told it doesn't hold up. I would not be surprised if it doesn't hold up. That, I don't know if I could that sounds it. about right. Um, I believe in that movie. Ryan Reynolds is kind of a monster. Um, okay. Uh, also, there's a uh, scene of you know, there's the scene of Alpha Heather giving the dude a blowjob in exchange for social capital. Uh, another great line from a college student: "Save the speeches for Malcolm X. I just want to get laid." This movie is written, by the way, like the dialogue is written clearly by a team of people that are either comedians or like they write for like comedy shows it's very funny yeah no i love the dialogue in this movie yes because what leads to that just to expand on it is um this guy's trying to like get with veronica and get all up on her and all that stuff and it's very uncomfortable to watch because it is very very pushy and uncomfortable and she's like i have a speech that i like to give my suitors or something along those lines and then he's like save the speeches for malcolm x i just want to get laid and she walks out yeah which i applaud her for i love veronica i love veronica um veronica is is a sympathetic character but as as you see as the movie goes on like the we'll get into like who the villains of this movie are uh when we get to analysis um so uh because Veronica shuts down this college guy, Alpha Heather's all mad at her because, you know, Alpha Heather basically took the took the hit for the team and had sex with the dude, but Veronica wouldn't, so she's like, you're going to ruin the reputation we're building up here. So, uh, they get in a fight, and then uh, Veronica goes to uh, Jason Dean and tells him about it. They flirt for a while. They, like, I believe they bone. Well, and, uh, she goes back to her house. What happens is she goes back to her house, and she's just sitting there. JD, that... no. Where, where where was the scene where he talked about cherry sodas or cherry slushy? That was before the party. Okay. That was on the way to the party. Okay. Um, where 
the whole a big theme for some reason is just a running thing with uh, Heather Chandler. She wants corn nuts, so they stop at like a Seven Eleven kind of thing, and she wants BQ corn nuts, barbecue corn nuts. So Veronica goes into the corner store and is grabbing a slushy, some snacks, all that kind of stuff. JD comes up and they start talking a little bit. It's like, oh, you know your way around, like. The 7-Eleven, the corner store. I can't remember what it is, what it's called in the movie, but in the musical, it's just a 7-Eleven. Yes. And he's like, well, I've been moved around all my life because his dad owns a construction company. Yes. Construction and demolition company. Emphasis on the demolition. And um, so they flirt a little bit back and forth, and then she... Ends up just kind of hanging out outside the corner store with him for a while. And then Heather Chandler is like honking the horn like, what the fuck? Come on, we got to go to this party. So that's where that comes in. And then after the party, she's back at her house. JD pops his head in her window and is just like, terrible manners. Sorry. And then they talk and then it cuts to her like croquet setup where it's like showing the little like fucking arches where you like hit the ball through and like the yeah, panties are there blah which blah blah real. which is real this is a real moment um because throughout the movie that's a thing is the heathers go over to veronica's to play croquet that's just a thing yes. that's what they do and um they they boned outside and that's where that is so yeah, the slushy and all that stuff is before the party, and then afterwards they're talking about, like they're laying there in the grass, and Veronica's like, "I just want to kill Heather." And she, during the party, it flashes to scenes of Veronica like writing in her diary about how just like I just want to kill Heather because I'm so sick of her shit, essentially. Yes, and there are a lot of scenes of her sort of writing in her diary. Again, this yeah. is almost narrated like a book with Veronica's perspective. Um, Very much. It is Veronica telling her story. Yes. And I love how it's done with the Dear Diary stuff because I'm like, that is such what a high school would do, a high schooler would do. I've written in my diary. It's like, fuck this person. Oh, I just wish they would die. Like, we've all written that in a diary or a notepad at some point where we're just like, fucking, oh, god damn it. I feel that way about several leading political figures in this country. Ha ha, same fan, but we're not going to talk about that. Yes, but right. um, yeah. So that's kind of where that goes, and that's kind of the through line is her talking about in her diary that she wants to kill Heather, and then as her and JD are laying out on the lawn between kisses, she's just like, "I just want to kill Heather." Yeah. So you know, she 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 says this, and then she's basically talking to Jason Dean who is, you know, a smooth talker, he's a smart guy, and basically she resolves, she thinks, to go over to Alpha Heather's house and play a little prank on her, just a, just a little something to make her, like, throw up, just to fuck with her. Uh, and then Jason Dean's like, hey, here's this chemical. If we give this to her, that'd be real funny. And then she's like, I think that would kill her. And he's like, yeah. So she's like, "Now nah, we'll do this. We'll mix some uh, some orange juice and milk." And then she goes, "All right, do that." And then we'll bring it up to her. And then Jason Dean just puts the uh, puts the chemical in the cup. By the way, up to this point, we're at about the half hour mark. I'm like, you know, this is a quirky film about like you know all all these kids. And I'm thinking like, oh, this Jason Dean guy's probably gonna do something fucked up like later in the movie, because uh, it seems like, oh wow, he seems like he actually would be okay with killing her. 
Um, so I'm like, oh yeah, they're gonna go up and do this, and then maybe some other shit will happen, and then later Jason Dean will do something crazy, like, toward the end of the movie. No, Jason Dean gives, uh, Alpha Heather the fucking poison, uh, right there, and about a third of the way into the film, Alpha Heather's dead. They have murdered Alpha Heather. <laughs> they fucking yep. kill her. Yeah, because it's like, oh, it would be funny to, like, mix these things, hawk a loogie in it or something. And there's actually moments where it's like, no, these cute, these two are actually, like, they have a cute little rapport. Oh, they're yeah. cute together. Yeah, because, like, they're being so cute, like, they wouldn't, yeah. he wouldn't actually try to kill her. Yeah, you think that and that's how it's going to be, and then maybe yeah, there'll be a reveal. Like, identical- you, you think yeah. if there's going to be a reveal, it'll be way later in the movie. Mm-hmm. It lulls you into a false sense of security, because, again... If you're just watching this movie going in blind like me, you would feel like, oh yeah, this is Mean Girls esque. So, they're gonna there's gonna be some bullying, there's gonna be some you know shenanigans with like you know pranks and stuff. Because you think like you know it's gonna be that part in in Mean Girls where like they they try to trick each other into like gaining weight or some shit, and you think that's that's about the level this movie's gonna be at. No, half hour mm-hmm. in, bam, fucking murder. They kill, <laughs> they kill Alpha Heather. Uh. And Jason Dean's like, yeah, great, we did it. And uh, Ver- so Veronica says, and I have I have the exchange written down here. Oh my God, I just killed my best friend. Jason Dean says, and your worst enemy. And Veronica says, same difference. Uh huh. Yep. <laughs> this this movie is very funny. And it, movie is very funny, dark. but it's like it's dark comedy, but also such a social commentary, and I love it. Oh yeah. Uh. So that happens. So we we're now up to body count one. So they have killed Alpha Heather. So then they, using Veronica's forgery skills, Jason Dean has her forge a suicide note. Um. We then cut to the school board immediately being casually dismissive of alpha heather's death they basically want to like push it under the rug and be done with it i think miss fleming the uh i think she's the english teacher is the only one that wants to talk about it but it seems like well for one none of the teachers respect her and none of the students really respect her or care about what she has to say either um so there's exactly one teacher who seems to be well-intentioned but she also is completely useless We'll we'll get to that when we talk about the meaning of this movie. Um, so then, what happens is, uh, help helper Heather doesn't seem as fucked up over Alpha Heather's death. Uh, servant Heather, uh, Heather Duke, who was bulimic before, is immediately eating again, and now she's starting to do starting to uh, give in to those tendencies to be like. Well, now I want to be on top. So that's what's happening there. And Veronica's all fucked up by this because everyone aside from Miss Fleming, it seems, is pretty much apathetic towards uh, Alpha Heather's death. Like, you don't even see Alpha Heather's family, really. No, you don't see any of their families. Um, It's implied in... uh music in the musical and stuff like that if you go through and you read like about the different characters um it's implied that heather duke is bulimic because of her family but it's also um in the movie it seems she's bulimic because she feels she needs to like be thin and um it's probably part of like her stress of being suppressed by heather chandler Yes. So uh, once Chandler is gone, she's like, oh, I can just fucking 
she can't control me anymore. I can eat this fucking chicken wing. Fuck you. It it's a big fuck you to outside sources that were putting her like pushing her down. Yes. Um and I'm like I feel that. So one thing that happens, uh, by the way, if you're if you're thinking that there's going to be like a non-Veronica sympathetic perspective in this movie, that doesn't exist. Uh when when you when you look to like for instance the nerds in this movie which in a lot of other movies especially movies written by dudes around this time like your St. Elmo's Fire and your Breakfast Clubs the nerd is typically sympathetic the nerd in this movie whenever they're talking about Alpha Heather's death just asks are we going to be tested on this yep so that's that's not what's happening either um oh also uh i forget where the conversation is in there you do see Veronica's parents they are uh just sort of these rich whatever people who don't really give a fuck um and then anytime her dad makes an observation about why he's doing something that makes him unhappy uh veronica just says it's because you're an idiot and then he goes yep it's because i'm an idiot and then her mom goes that's right and her mom goes oh you too and that's a recurring theme in the film yeah um and they only really exist on like the veranda of the polo place for uh like the first half of the movie like they don't really consult her about any of this so that's part of why she's like not really willing to talk to them about any of the things that are happening okay yeah it shows that they're more just figures in her life and she doesn't have an incredibly deep relationship with them they're, they sort of just kind of let her do whatever she's just rich she does whatever and has pate and then do- and fucks off but what's interesting is uh my mom pointed this out to me while i was watching the movie with her is the mom is if anyone's seen Gilmore Girls, she is Lorelai's mom in Gilmore Girls. Oh, that's cool. I don't know if you've ever seen the show. I have not. It's fucking good, but I don't think it'd be up your alley. It is definitely, like, a women's show, but it's really enjoyable. It's fun, <laughs> quirky. It's a mother-daughter relationship, so I love that, and I resonate with that really hard. Yeah, that's cool. Um, But it's fucking good. But yeah, no, same actress, and she's wonderful, and it's really nice to see her not playing a bitch. Uh, well, wait, you mean Veronica's mom? Yeah. I, we'll have to get into that in, like, the meaning well, of Well, she's movie. not, you haven't seen Gilmore I'm sure Girls. she's terrible. She's uh, look. awful. Okay, we, we gotta, we gotta talk about that later, though, because I, yeah. I, 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 yeah, yeah, I have yeah. some words about Veronica's parents. Um, So, uh, the priest does all this eulogizing over Alpha Heather. All the teenagers, whenever they come up to pray for Alpha Heather, have these fucked up thoughts, basically saying, I'm glad she's dead, or, uh, damn, I liked fucking this girl. I'm sad that she's dead because I liked fucking this girl. Like, why'd you have to take away such a hot snatch, I think, were yeah. the words. Yes. Like, none of them can really emotionally process what's happened, uh, which makes sense. They're teenagers. Uh, immediately after the funeral, these football bullies start bothering some nerds. The nerds also sort of uh, bother them into it. Uh, these are the football bullies from the front of the movie. Uh, so then, helper Heather basically tells Veronica, "Hey, let's uh, let's let's do this thing to like, you know, in in Alpha Heather's memory, let's go out and have a good time type of thing." So she goes out with these football bullies. Uh, per helper heather's request and it gets a little rapey for helper heather but veronica doesn't really do anything she just sort of leaves him be um she leaves to go hang out with uh jason dean who just shows up 
Yeah. Because we it's implied that he was following her. Yes. You you all of these little cute coincidences of him meeting her slowly pile up to where you begin to notice that oh yeah, he's probably stalking her. Yeah, he's essentially stalking her and following her around to lull her into a relationship. Yes. Uh, upon hearing about Helper Heather having Veronica come out with her into this like field where these football bullies are tipping over cows, getting drunk, and seemingly sexually assaulting Helper Heather, uh, Jason Dean, yeah, excuse me, Jason Dean just remarks another fucking Heather, and it seems like uh, he's both unhappy with the stereotypes at the school, but you also get the sense, and I think Veronica even in that scene also gets the sense of, oh yeah, he's thinking about murdering this girl too. Yep. Um, and then Veronica hears from, um, uh, down the grapevine the next day at school that the football guys claimed that she gave them blowjobs. Uh, and then Jason had Dean, a quote sword fight in her mouth. Yes. Which is pretty goddamn gay, bro. Which yeah. uh, comes up in a minute. Uh, so Jason Dean then comes out and says he's going to literally murder them. Uh, and then he pulls out a gun, and then she's like, no, we, I, I don't want to murder them. And then he's like, well, this is a, uh, a World War II German gun. Uh, it just knocks him out. It's like a tranquilizer. And she's like, okay. Oh, and also, uh, there's another line in here, just sort of miscellaneously, where Jason Dean goes, this is Ohio. If you don't have a brewski, then you might as well be wearing a dress, which is just delightful, classic homophobia and transphobia. Yep. Um. It okay. was the 80s. Yep, so they lure the football bullies out into the woods with Veronica promising to actually give them blowjobs. And then Jason Dean shoots one of them. The other one runs away because Veronica doesn't shoot him because she just thinks it's a tranquilizer, but she's still freaked out. Jason Dean then corrals him back towards Veronica, and in a panic, she shoots him. And thus, both of the football bullies are dead. Uh, and then Jason Dean, again, makes it look like these are suicides with Veronica's help claiming that these two were uh, gay and that homophobia pushed them to commit suicide. Yep. Um, and that scans, like, it plays with the cops. Like, the cops who find them are just cool that they accept this as the answer. Everybody at the school just sort of accepts it. Um, uh, so, Veronica asks Jason Dean a little bit after this, do you like your father? Jason Dean says, never given the man much thought. Um, but then after all this, uh, cause Veronica's now like, oh, you tricked me into murdering these guys. And he's kind of like, well, yeah, you wanted to do it anyway. And she tries to break up with them. And then he, and then Jason Dean tries to sexually assault her. And then yeah, she breaks up with them anyway. Yep. Uh, um, okay. So that's what's going on there. We also get a scene of the football, one of the football boys, parents saying you know i love my dead gay son which there's a lot there's a lot going on there also the school board is again sort of mostly apathetic they're just like ah shit more fucking kids killed themselves what a fucking pain in the ass um again miss fleming is like trying to do stuff but no one really cares um so then we we get to this lull right where veronica is worried about the deaths of the high school guys and alpha heather uh, and then Jason Dean, she's broken up with him. So she tries to then go and hang out with Betty as though things are sort of back to normal, like her friend that she had sort of left behind. 
doesn't quite work. She gets dragged back in because she notices that servant Heather, uh, Heather Duke, is now taking on the traits of Alpha Heather, where she's, you know, acting like a domineering asshole. Um, yeah, she just shows up at her house because her and Betty are playing croquet together yeah, and she to basically, give some context. Yeah, and she just mocks uh, Betty. Um, helper Heather, uh, Heather McNamara, is... Uh, they happen to overhear over the radio that she's suffering from depression uh, and that she's all bummed out both because of Alpha Heather's death and also because of... Uh, and sort of the family divorce thing and all this other shit. So she's depressed. In this time, Martha, because of the things going on, tries to commit suicide by walking into traffic. This is unrelated to the other things. She just seems to be motivated by this as, like, there's this sort of now culture of suicide. Mm -hmm. um, it's almost, like, trendy to commit suicide now. Yes. I think it's just a wave of sort of um, apathy and... Uh, uh, I would say hopelessness. Again, we'll we'll mm -hmm. talk more about that um, when we get to meaning. Um, but then ser Servant Heather, or yeah, Heather Duke lets slip that Heather McNamara is depressed. And everybody at school thinks this is really fucking funny. It's very, it's a very odd segment, but it's also the 80s. So like, <sighs> for those of you who don't know what the 80s were like for mental health, I'll, I'll go on a very, very quick tangent. In 1988, uh, there was a presidential election, as there is every four years in the United States, between Michael Dukakis, who was a Democrat, and George H.W. Bush, the father of George W. Bush, uh, who was Ronald Reagan's vice president. Dukakis was doing okay, um, all things considered. He, he was... More fucking left-wing than the idiot we have now, even. He he was decently progressive. But what came out at the time was that he had depression and he was going to therapy. Now, I would argue that's a sign of strength as opposed to bottling it all up like a fucking lunatic if you're, if you're all fucked up, which I imagine George H.W. Bush either was or he was a sociopath because he was in the fucking CIA and worked under Ronald Reagan, who let a bunch of gay people die of AIDS because yep. they thought it would be politically good for him. <laughs> uh, but no, at the time, everybody was like, Michael Dukakis, you fucking wimp. You're going to fucking therapy and you have depression, you fucking baby. So it's not a good time to have depression, is the 80s. <laughs> it's not great now. It was it was worse then. It, it was yeah. terrible. It, it is a terrible time. At least now, we, like, especially, like, our generation, it is... Like you said, it's considered a sign of strength to take that step and go to therapy and stuff like that. And yeah. to stay on that note, yes, I am starting counseling and therapy Sweet. very soon. And I am very, I'm like nervous, uh, but excited because to our listeners, it is, I just want to say it's okay to need therapy or to need to go to counseling or to Hell talk yeah. to someone it is okay to not be okay and yeah. this movie is very much that theme is it's okay to not be okay and to need to talk about it oh fuck and, yeah i go to therapy it's it, it helps it's very oh my helpful. god it helps so much you you look out the window right now you like 
it's it's fucking terrible out there right now dude of course I never feel bad about needing therapy in general but like especially in fucking 2020 jesus christ yeah yeah everybody yeah. almost everybody's gonna have like ptsd unless you're like some sort of rich monster living through this and just making tons of money you are going to feel terrible about this period in your life unless you're one of the people making this worse yes it's okay to not be okay right now. I have those days where it's like, I don't want to get up out of bed. This sucks. Yes. The world sucks right now. But you know what? It's the little things. Remember to be grateful for just the little things. Yes. You know? But um, yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there. But let's continue. As a result of Heather McNamara getting outed as being depressed, she goes to the bathroom to try to slit her wrists and Veronica stops her. No, she's not trying to slit her wrists. She's trying to OD on pills because she's okay, trying okay. to... Um, she's trying to open, uh, like, a cap, and she's, like, stupid, uh, child-safe caps or something. Yes. And she's trying to pop it open, and when Veronica comes in, like, the pill, it, it opens all over the floor, and it, like, scatters kind of thing. Yes, it is, it is a very sad scene. This is pretty much the last that you really see of Helper Heather, but thankfully she does not die. But Veronica's like, this is all getting very much out of hand. Um, so they, uh, Veronica does actually try to talk to her parents about this briefly afterward. But basically, um, because they're just sort of like, oh, well, uh, those two boys killed themselves, that girl killed themselves. Oh, this is, uh, this is quite the event that we're seeing on TV. Crazy stuff at the school. And she's like, you, you're watching all this as though it's spectacle. Like, you don't take us seriously or that, you're, that uh, you don't treat us like human beings because you just watch mm-hmm. us die. Um, and you don't care. And her mom says, and this is why I, I, I really want to get into this after, after we're done with the summary. Her mom says, well, we are treating you like human beings. <laughs> that's how we treat human beings. Yeah. No, I remember that. And that's where it's like, ooh, ooh. God. Yep, the, and that's sort of that's sort of the crux of the movie, I think. But I'll get into that after. Um, so things are getting out of hand very, very quickly. Uh, Jason Dean is now going around uh, trying to get people to sign this thing. So he goes to Heather Duke, uh, servant Heather, and says, "You know, this is a form for something good or support group or something like that." And basically, it's... no one knows what it's for. No one at the school knows what it's for. Yeah, because she's telling everyone it's a different thing. And what JD tells her that it is, is to get this band uh, who sings this song throughout the entire movie that is a through line. It's Teenage Suicide, Don't Do It. It is a song. It is by uh, Big Fun, which in the musical isn't, it's not a band in the musical. It's actually a song where it's a song called Big Fun, which is the party scene. In the musical. it I don't know how much you listened to, Brad. I did not listen to all of it, so I did not hear You should definitely listen to all of it. Big Fun is not the same thing as it is in the movie. But in the movie, it's a band that sings a song called Su- uh, Teenage Suicide, Don't Do It. Yes. So JD is trying to get Heather Duke. He's like, hey, I have these pictures of you and Martha Dunstock for, uh, being friends in kindergarten. If you don't want these to get out, have people sign this petition to have this band come to the school for, like, the pep rally. Yes. I I think that's... That's just in the musical, right? I don't remember anything about a kindergarten picture in the... No, it's in the movie. Is it? 
Yeah, because he's like, hey, I have these pictures of you two. Okay. Um, all right. So with Don't that in mind. Don't question though, me. Uh, all right. I was just like, how did you get? Because in my brain, I'm like, all right, cell phone camera, social media, Heather's the musical is like, was like written no. in the 2010s. Uh, all right. Yeah, no, that's fine. I, no, because he has expert. like She's the. the um, Hayden's the expert. Yeah. He has, I think it's like undeveloped photos that he's like, I'll develop these and pass these around, put these on a school paper kind of thing. Man, I, man, I told you, you're the expert. Yeah. But anyways. <laughs> no one questioned Hayden's <laughs> knowledge on Heather. Don't question me. Okay. Oh. But yes, do continue passing around <laughs> okay. this thing. And Heather Duke, you were right on nobody knows what it's for. It's because Heather Duke is telling everybody to sign it um, that it is a different thing. Because at the beginning of the film, they were having this, it's like the question of the day where it's like, if aliens came to Earth and blah, 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 it's just a dumb question that like the Heathers would go around and they'd ask people. Yes. And they'd try to determine uh, what people would do if they had one day to live. Um, yeah. If they had and, one like, day to live. Uh, so, all right. So this is kind of a callback to that and Heather doing this in her own way, but getting people to sign this petition. But do yes. continue. Uh, so, yes. Um, Veronica thinks this is shady because uh, I believe it's when she finds out that it originates from Jason Dean. But mo- almost more distressingly, she goes home. Uh, and Jason Dean, by the way, is still like harassing her uh, and basically saying, like, you know, you, you still want to be with me. Um, uh, she goes home to find out that uh, her parents are worried about her because Jason Dean stopped by to tell them that he thinks Veronica might kill herself. So, basically, this is sort of an implied threat that he's going to murder her. Uh, So, she, in turn, goes up to her room and basically fakes her own suicide so that Jason Dean, whenever he shows up, will think that she's dead. So maybe she can get some info out of him, or at the very least make him go away. And then he basically tells her the plan. The plan is to get everybody to uh, sign this form, which is actually a collective suicide note, so that then Jason Dean can blow up the school and make it look like all the kids committed suicide. Um, There's a couple lines in here, because she also has a nightmare about this, uh, about him actually being in there and her actually... uh, she goes along with it in like the in the dream that she has like she has, she has a nightmare of her actually going along with his plans yeah uh, kind then, of yes um she though really in the nightmare all that she does is agree to help kill uh heather duke yeah um, who this is where you got the wrist slitting thing is um jd pulls out a knife and veronica's just like uh why like you need to clean that off Heather would never slit her wrist like she would never use a knife that wasn't like perfectly pristine because they were going to slit her wrists and leave the suicide note essentially yes and in the dream like JD just kind of grabs Veronica's hand and just like I can't remember what she writes or what he makes her write but um it's like nobody's going to care about handwriting because she's like I'm not going to write your stupid fucking suicide note it's like nobody's going to care about handwriting anymore with a suicide note, nobody's going to be paying attention to this. Yes. Um. So, 
one thing that's important to note, though, in this sequence, uh, she does say to him, you think you're a rebel, you're a fucking psychopath. Or, no, you're a fucking psycho, my bad, but same thing. Yeah, same thing. Uh, this is also where you see in the funeral for Heather Duke and her nightmare, Alpha Heather appears in her nightmare as a ghost. It is, again, mostly just a figment of her imagination, uh, basically saying, like, you know, wow, my funeral was so much better and so much bigger. This is all horseshit. This whole thing is stupid. Um, she wakes up, uh, Veronica does, and then basically figures out Jason Dean's plan. And then the plan, by the way, is to blow up the school using detonation devices that Jason Dean has stolen from his father, uh, from his demolition company. And then he's going to blow up the school, but with one big bomb in the boiler room while everyone else is at a pep rally. Yeah, it's going to set off thermals that he's placed in the gym. Yes. So, Veronica has to go and track Jason Dean down. Uh, She, I believe, I forget if she brings the gun with her or if she steals the gun from him. But she has a gun, and she's ready to kill him if necessary. They struggle for a while. It's a lot of them fighting. It's, it's very tense as, like, you know, he's getting ready to blow up the school. Uh, she does shoot him. Yeah, she shoots off two of his fingers, I think. Yes. uh, Or just one. I don't know. I watched Lord of the Rings and played Last of Us 2 and stuff like that. There's a lot of finger loss in those. Give give it another couple rewatches. I'm sure you'll have it memorized. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think it's just, like, his ring finger. Or, like, middle finger and ring finger that get, like, shot off. Yeah, she fucks up his hand either way. Yeah. Um... He has a line in this sequence where he goes, Society nods itself at any horror the American teenager can bring upon itself. Um, so then she shoots him. She stops the bomb. Uh, and then she goes to, like, walk outside because it's all fucked up because she thinks that she murdered him. Also, like, it looks for a second like he's going to try to rape her during the sequence. Yeah. It, um, it gets very rough. Yes. This, this, yeah. Um... Oh, wait, no, I, I actually have it written down. She shot off his middle finger because he was, I believe, flipping her the bird. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's um, what it was. And he also says in the sequence that school is a microcosm of society and needs to be destroyed. Yeah, it's like because school is society, essentially. And it's yes. Like, yeah, so at this point, JD has basically lost it. Like, yes. it's very clear that he has a mental illness that is going untreated. Yes, um... But she shoots him, and then she goes to step outside because she's, like, you know, facing in the horror of, like, this is technically the first person that she's really purposefully killed is is yeah. Jason Dean. And then it turns out he's not dead, but he seemingly seems to begrudgingly respect him, or he begrudgingly respects her because he walks outside, and then he prepares to walk outside of the school by, like, a few paces to blow himself up with a suicide vest. Uh, and then she lights up a cigarette, goes back inside, uh, you know, looking like shit because she just got fucking, a dude just blew himself up in front of her. And so she's got like ash all over her face and also like bruises from the fight in the basement. Yeah. Uh, she walks up to servant Heather, Heather Duke. She steals Heather Duke's ribbon, gives her, gives her a seemingly taunting kiss. Uh, in, On the in, cheek. In, in, in very Bugs Bunny-esque fashion. Mm-hmm. I would argue. Uh, 
And then she opts to go try to spend time with uh, Martha, the overweight girl. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah. And I will note, in the musical, they actually take that idea of her and Martha, and they make it so... Which I'm sure you heard in the first track. um, Her and Martha in the musical have been best friends since they were kids. Yes, they they conflate the characters of Betty and Martha in the musical. Yeah, which honestly makes a lot more sense. Yeah, it, it tidies it up a little bit more. Tightens it up. It tidies it up. It tightens up the story a lot. Uh, I think the musical does a great job at um, tightening the script a little bit to make it drag a little bit less. Because there are moments in this movie that drag a bit. But not in, like, a really bad way where it's, like, you want to turn it off. But it's, like, okay, there are slower moments. Right, yeah. yeah. Okay, and that's uh, that's the movie. Yeah. It's, it's so good. It's so interesting. Like, even the amount of times that I see it. Like, every time I watch the movie, I find something else about it. Right. Well, now, uh, now we're in the last segment, the meat of this. You know, just an hour in, uh, which is Nerdacy. We're we're setting sail. Mm-hmm. Nerdacy ho! <laughs> Trying to get back to Ithaca with our analysis, <laughs> and it appropriately will probably take us about ten years to get through it. Okay, so, um, so what do you think about this movie, Hayden? I think. For its time, it is, it's unlike any other 80s movie that I'd ever seen. And I love 80s movies. I watched The Breakfast Club a couple times. I don't remember it super well, but I love movies from the 80s. I love that era. I love that style. Like, I'm a big Tim Burton person. I grew up on those films. Um, But I think Heather's is so unique because it's still... Um, is relevant and if not more relevant even now than it was when it was made it was right so it was so ahead of its time and like it talks about school shootings suicide mental health all these things and yeah it's all jam-packed if you're not like if you're not ready for this movie like with you if you're not ready it's a lot. It's a very heavy film, but it's done so well. And I think the script is so unique. And there's little lines here and there. It's like, that's, I can't tell if that's organic or not, but the actors are just so in it. Yes. That it really, it brings you into the story. And I think it's such a comment. Uh, like it is a social commentary and I love movies like that when they're done well because social commentary movies that are done poorly are such a slog but I love this film I love the musical um I think more people like it's a cult classic for a reason yes I agree um but yeah what about you I think um so let's uh I, I want to step back for a moment and say that um, one thing that I, I will say that separates this movie from like other sort of social commentary things, like like say your Titans, um, just because you know that's what this is all about. Uh-huh. Um, Titans is a little mean spirited. What? Nah. It's a little yeah you know it's a little it's a little like yeah 
every everything about sort of this type of thing is dumb or bad or like if if something happens where a character does some shit then very frequently they'll be like yeah violence is justified just beat the shit do do whatever you want and it's very muddled in its messaging um stuff like that or i don't know there's a lot there's a lot of fucking like you know grim dark hbo whatever shows or amazon prime netflix whatever where a lot of the time they approach these subjects with like you know all these people die and they're all fucked up sort of copying the game of thrones model of everyone's sort of a protagonist and everyone's equally fucked up and terrible so you don't have anyone to root for um which ends up making it feel mean-spirited and there's also lots of um movies that come later after this movie where there's a lot of jokes about you know rape or like this type of thing where it's treated as like this isn't something serious to really worry about or these people aren't worthy of sympathy uh, I'd say even Mean Girls engages a little bit in, like, haha, it is funny that this person is a tiny bit overweight. Mm-hmm. It is funny that these things are the case. And I think that this movie, despite being really fucked up, isn't mean-spirited in any capacity. It is a very compassionate film. You can tell that whoever wrote this has a lot of a lot of sympathy and empathy for people that are stuck in, in high school or in like abusive situations or environments like high schools. I also think what separates this from a lot of eighties movies. And I mean, like Winona Ryder, we talked about Beetlejuice. Um, Beetlejuice is an odd case where it is kind of from a Winona Ryder's perspective, but it is also a lot from fucking Alec Baldwin, and I forget his wife's actress's name. Um, but. I don't remember the actress, but it is the movie is very much um Adam and Barbara's story. It is yes. very much their story about them dealing with dying. The Beetlejuice musical, on the other hand, they made Lydia the main character. They kind of they derived some stuff from the Beetlejuice animated series, which yes. I just started watching, and oh my god, I love it so much. It's so good. Um. But it's like that kind of wacky cartoon that I'm like, yes, this is my thing. But I'm strange and unusual, as Lydia would say in the fucking Beetlejuice movie. So I'm yes. like, yeah, that's me. But yes. um, I oh, go, that's go very much not Winona Ryder's story. So yes. to go back to what you were saying. Yes, it's you get a lot of her perspective because I'd argue that she's the other perspective of the film because it's basically them and her with like a yes. little bit of Beetlejuice perspective. Um, but she's like the secondary protagonist in in the sense that uh Alan and Barbara are uh the main characters, but they're sort of mm-hmm. lumped together as a unit. You don't really get, you know, too much contrast between them as characters. Um So that's the most progressive movie I can think of, aside from I guess maybe Alien and the Aliens movies, uh with uh fuck, uh Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver. Weaver. Oh, I love her. Um those are really the only movies I can think of from the 80s that uh, even feature a female perspective like this as, like, their primary thing. At least, like, you know, American pop culture. There's probably, like, a lot of darker movies that have been made in, like, France or England or, like, stuff that went under the radar uh, that, you know, probably have that perspective. But in terms of big movies, I think a lot of people remember those are the primary ones. Your the movies that we compare this to that we could compare this to, especially for teens, like your your Breakfast Club, your Sixteen Candles, yeah, your uh going skewing a little younger, your Goonies, um, 
your uh fuck there was another one i can't remember the name of it. oh saint elmo's fire um all those types of movies are from the male perspective like inexorably tied to male perspective yeah um and this movie does not have that it has a female perspective which i really like and it's not just being like sexually female like for our listeners i am not gender non-binary sexual please respect female, blah 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 please respect use use they them she her all that shit but anyways um yes. from a, it's refreshing to have something like this especially from the p- female perspective because i just want to say being a female in high school and i'm not saying this like being a male in high school doesn't suck being a female in high school is so hard like going through school and high school in general just sucks it sucks so bad it's awful and being a female in high school as you're developing everything about your body is wrong you're not thin enough you're not this you don't have this kind of complex blah 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 the list goes on and on and on so getting a movie like this from a female perspective is so important yes and Um, that's another reason this movie was ahead of its time is they fucking touch on that yes and they touch on how girls some girls not all feel they need to sleep around in order to be deemed worthy yes and that is still such a commentary these days and it just makes me sad yes, but there... it's like it's it's real it is there and it's so prevalent in this movie and i i love that we get to see that you get lines in movies like the breakfast club from oh, fuck i can't remember the character's name it might be audrey um where it's the goth girl from the breakfast club where she yeah. goes you know, if you don't, then you're a prude. If you do, then you're a slut. That's mm-hmm. the trap. But at the end of the movie, Audrey completely changes herself to start dating the football player. So, like, that's... that's a, There's a lot going on in those movies, especially whenever it comes to romance and sort of identity, because the female characters in those movies are exist as romantic objects to be acted upon by male protagonists. Yes. Um. And this movie does not do that, so I really appreciate that. Uh... Sarah, I'm just going to say that I'm probably fucking up. I can correct later in editing. I have that power. Uh, she has videos specifically talking about how uniquely shitty our society is to young women, like uh, teenage girls, uh, in, a, in, in ways that both undermine their self-esteem, but also say everything you like is bad, everything you want is bad, everything you do is bad, in ways that aren't like that for teenage boys. Because a lot of our stories are geared around teenage boys. Uh, A lot of unhealthy behaviors, especially during the 80s, were, like, prioritized for teenage boys. Where it's like, you can can basically, in these movies, you can treat a woman like absolute fucking garbage for 80% of the movie. And everything can be fine. You can be forgiven as a character. And then you can get the girl at the end anyway. Because that's her purpose for the film. Yep. Uh, You also see this in... uh, another teen thing that came out in the 80s even though it's about the 50s which is Grease oh yep where uh Danny Zuko the main character has a lot of things going on uh Sandra D exists to be in a semi-relationship state with the main character and then completely changes her identity at the end of the film to get his uh, attention yes uh Rizzo similarly does sleep around a little bit but uh 
her biggest concern is not showing weakness in front of other people and all the other girls problems are shown as in being incredibly vapid and sort of unimportant like wanting to go to beauty school yep and being a beauty school dropout and all that yes. stuff which is one of the most sexist songs oh boy yes. there is so yes. much if we ever watch greece there's so much to unpack there oh yeah there's a lot to talk about in greece it's but a this... great like musical like the music from it is awesome and really fun and if you've been in musical theater at any point in any capacity you've done songs from greece yes uh it's a very it's a banger but it is a problematic banger it's very problematic uh, but we'll talk about that another time yes, yes but in this film i think it's worth noting that for the most part outside of when jason dean starts murdering people his behavior is almost exactly one-to-one -one what, like, a bender type from Breakfast Club would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or, you know, Kaneki, or, like, the sort of punk archetype. And that goes back to um his namesake, which is uh, James Dean, who uh, was in the movie Rebel Without a Cause, which I'll talk about in a second here, because this movie has a lot of intertextuality with those films. Jason Dean is a desirable archetype as the punk, because he sort of rebels against society's norms, but the thing is that the movie is conscious enough to recognize that, like, he can't be the protagonist, because if you try to do that, if you genuinely try to do that type of thing, life doesn't work like a movie, uh, you'll probably drive yourself fucking nuts. Or, you know, like, the alternative is that you, you become, like, a fucking stoner by the age of, like, 16 or 17, where, you know, you smoke enough weed to just make it through the end of high school, and you just sort of conk out for a while. Which is a far more valid method than killing people, by the way. Feel free to do that if that's, yes. if that's what you gotta do to not murder people. But um, Weed is okay. Weed I'm is in California. Okay. It's legal as fuck here. Yeah. But weed actually does help with anxiety and depression and stuff like that. It is yes. a good sleep aid. There's actually companies out there that are like sponsoring YouTubers and stuff like that Yes. to help. You can get uh, like tea that has weed in it and it is just to help you fucking relax yeah and we're, we're not sponsored by big weed but we're not way. we're not sponsored but i'm putting it out there because i use it and yeah. it helps so much that's, so that's cool just throwing that out there if I you just, need it use it that was just for the benefit of the listeners to let them know no we're not we're not like trying to show weed here no um, I mean, I am, but not because well, yeah, I'm sponsored. It's, it's a per it's a personal thing, not a not a yes. business deal. Yes. Um, but uh, I think that this movie has a lot to do with um sort of tackling those problematic approaches because whenever he stalks her, at first you think it's kind of cute that like you know he's always popping up, but then it's like oh no, he doesn't respect her sense of privacy at all, or oh no, he doesn't actually consider any of these other people people like. If you want to make a one-to-one -one comparison, I, I can really hammer in on Bender from Breakfast Club, who does, in that movie, if you sit down and watch The Breakfast Club, the problem isn't that Bender's poor or that his family is abusive. It's that he continually sexually harasses uh, the rich girl, who I do not remember the name of. He, like, goes between her legs. He, like, makes, like, a like a vagina-licking uh, symbol at her. He, like, Molly insults Ringwald? Her. Yeah, it is like Molly the... Ringwald. Yeah. Uh, but I don't remember her character. I don't name. remember her character's name, but I was like, yeah, that's the actress, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, but like, he basically gaslights her for the entire movie, like negging her to like lower her self-esteem until at the end she dates him. Yep. <laughs> like that's, 
that's the type of character this is. And I, I'll say Bender in that movie is very, very funny. He's very entertaining. And you feel kind of bad because he mentions, I do not perform well at school because I'm not incentivized to do well at school because I have an abusive family. He does not phrase it like that. It's sporadically mentioned throughout the film. But, like, he's also a weird contradictory case because he's incredibly well-spoken, but he mentions that he never reads books. So you're led to believe either he's lying or the movie's inconsistent. But the point is that, like, he is a fucking asshole. He's, he's, he does things to Molly Ringwald in the movie that you'd go, no, I would, you'd be justified in never talking to this person again. Even if they have a fucked up life, you would be perfectly justified in never speaking to this person ever again. But the movie doesn't acknowledge that. And this movie seems to, this movie seems to go toward the idea that like everyone in high school is kind of fucked up. And like, at the end of the day, all you can do is basically try to survive it. Which I think is a is a great message because these other movies sort of I think romanticize high school. A lot of the movies around this period still kind of romanticize high school, even yeah. when they show like you know, even though Breakfast Club is technically about, you know, we're all stuck in our little boxes as like a jock or like a nerd or like a prep girl or like, or a, like goth a goth. Or like a goth, yeah. But like at the end of the day, it's still like, yeah, and then you date people and then, you know, theoretically your situation gets better and uh it's fine you have a good time you have your struggles with your shitty families and then you grow up and it's all fine uh you still get to have fun and party or whatever and it's very sort of rose tinted glasses even with the criticisms mm -hmm. um and this film really looks at it and goes that's not the case and all the things that these sort of fun party movies i forget if ferris bueller does any fucked up shit with uh with that type of thing i feel like i could probably you could probably find something with i don't remember that movie at all i don't either but point is 80s movies around this time especially were all about like yeah quirky dude gets to do fucked up shit to the ladies in the movie and it's just treated as either a joke or something charming and this yep. movie goes no you can't actually do that that's really fucked up and terrible uh because that's again the sign of someone who's deeply mentally unstable um and in addition in a lot of those movies, I think there's a there's still a large contingent of media for um uh where shorthand for uh being a bad person in a high school setting is being basically in the behavioral excuse me the behavioral pattern of like alpha heather of like you mm -hmm. know the clique of girls who are all kind of mean who are all very popular and will like maybe sleep around. Uh, and I think that this movie is very conscientious about saying, you know, those people have their problems too. Everyone in here is kind of suffering. That doesn't make what they're doing to, like, uh, Martha okay, but it does contextualize it to mean that they are also suffering and having problems because essentially they are all sort of just kids that are getting fucked up. Uh, which, if you're okay with it, I'd like to talk about, like, what's what's going on with yeah, go uh, ahead. who the villains of the movie are yeah um so according to tv tropes the message of the movie is that high school is terrible but killing your bullies or yourself will not solve the issue which i agree with um the opening song uh is what will be will be is repeated over and over again uh i feel like that that also has something to do with that of you know things are going to happen but that also could be contrasted with stuff that happens later sorry i'm just going through my notes here real mm -hmm. quick before i go into this i think the real villains in the movie are 
like unquestionably the parents and school board <laughs> of like every kid in this movie because like you can trace back the problems with every kid like even jason dean to his fucked up dad uh and you can trace back veronica's issues with sort of what she's been doing and her lack of support to her parents mm -hmm. uh and the school board of course literally not giving a shit about any of these kids individually on any level um so to start with let, let's uh let's laser in for a minute um on jason dean who uh let's talk intertextuality for a moment jason dean is named after james dean and i'm sure everyone out there has probably heard the name james dean without maybe knowing where it's from uh james dean was a movie star in i think the 60s um he died in a motorcycle accident but he was in a film called rebel without a cause uh and in that film uh he plays a delinquent sort of kid who moves into this town in california and in that movie he is a uh, you know he gets into races he gets into fights um he he fights like sort of the high school jockey kids uh and the the through line of the film is that all these kids are fucked up because society doesn't know what to do with them like parents are like a lot of the police are like just sort of either arrest them or get rid of them or like parents are like i i'm going to either be completely hands off or like beat the kid and those are like the two approaches to parenting that were in the mode i believe in the film and uh at one point you know his his mother is like verbally abusing his father and he's just like well it, it's 1960s so he asks his dad you know why don't you just hit mom Damn. i don't i don't know what to do and then like he basically tells them like you guys set no boundaries for me so i don't know what to do with myself and by the end of the movie his friend who was getting bullied uh shoots the bullies and then he has to like basically talk down his friend from killing them uh and that's sort of how the movie ends uh also after like one of the other kids like one of the fucked up bully guys tries to play chicken with him in a car and it seems like both of them are going to go off of this cliff uh but then james dean stops at the last second because he remembers you know being sane and the other kid revels in sort of winning at being a teenager and then immediately fucking dies when his car explodes when it hits the bottom of this cliff god damn um so i think a lot of this is you know these kids are fucked up and uh the title of the film rebel without a cause i believe is in reference to the fact that like a lot of adults would label James Dean as being a rebel with no reason to be a rebel, but there's clearly causes. There's societal and, like, direct parental reasons for why things are fucked up. And Jason Dean is, I think, especially because he also, you know, does, like, the leather jacket and the motorcycle and smokes and uh, is critical and funny, he's supposed to harken back to that of, yeah, this is the sort of figure that's in that situation, but this is also both a terrible thing to be because it means you're all fucked up and you don't have a good sense of danger or, like, personal safety but it also means that you this is a dangerous person to be around because they are in a deeply emotionally unstable place they are still effectively a child with a fucked up sensibility that yes you can actually kill people or yourself and who weaponizes that and understands that because they they recognize that this system isn't being fixed and i think that even hearkening back to that issue because this movie as we said at the beginning made in 1989 uh hearkening back to this movie in the 60s where it presented like 
yeah, you know, there's these vapid girls who like sleeping around, and then there's these shitty high school dudes and jocks who, uh, you know, do shitty things. Um, like harkening back to that with this character, you could almost say is an exact extension of James Dean's character in that movie because it's basically saying, you know, this hasn't gotten better. It's been like twenty something years, and this has not gotten any better. We are still treating, uh essentially children again like these sexed up sort of monsters that all hate each other and try to claw at each other for any sense of reputation and any adult in the movie is either apathetic about it or is so completely unable to like sit down and actually talk to them about it because they have no fucking idea what to do like miss fleming that they just hold like pep rallies and i think that's why like toward the end when James Dean, or not James Dean, when Jason Dean is, like, fucking up the school and he's gonna, like, blow up the school, I think it's incredibly significant that it's effectively during the pep rally, so... The pep rally is, like, this veneer of this happy high school football sport whatever thing of, like, a school getting along very well and things going very performatively well while these fucked up things with, like, suicidal tendencies and murderous tendencies... And as you said, Hayden, all these mental health issues are going on right underneath it. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's not getting better. It's not getting better. Yeah, and I, I think the like the staging of that is very smart. That, like you said, it's like everything is below the surface, but no one's fucking paying attention to it. Because there's a moment when it's like during the pep rally where it kind of shows the thermals that uh, JD has placed... Uh, one of, like, the stoner kids, she, like, lights a match on the uh, bleachers right beside one of the thermals and doesn't pay it any mind. Yes. And I'm like, that is such a significant shot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because they don't, it's not important to them. They don't understand. And, like, mm-hmm. e- again, even Miss Fleming, who's well-intentioned, she's completely ineffectual. She never sits down with any of, like, she doesn't sit down with Heather who's depressed. Heather... Uh, or us, yeah, helper Heather, Heather McNamara, has to call into a fucking radio show to try to vent out the depression issues. Like, there's no, like... And I mean, from this perspective, I don't know, I don't know if they specified if Miss Fleming is, like, the English teacher and, like, a guidance counselor, but I can tell you right now in my high school, my guidance counselor, mostly useless. Uh, I can't remember ever having a guidance counselor that was particularly either well-equipped enough or if they had enough guidance counselors to actually yeah. help out kids with problems. Yeah, none of my guidance counselors in school did anything. And it's like, while they were well-intentioned, one of them, especially a counselor I had in elementary school, she would go from being, like, really sweet to being such a twat oh i'm sure we had a uh, we had a guidance counselor in my high school who when a very nice girl who i knew named arlene uh said whenever she was a kid that she wanted to be you know the president because you know she dreamed of being president of the united states that's a normal like kid thing guidance counselor just laughed right in her face damn uh she would also tell students repeatedly like you know don't don't go too far away don't apply too far away you're gonna you're gonna want to apply closer by uh, basically never leave this town you're never going to do better um Oof. 
And, uh, you know, that's that's common. That's a very common thing, because guidance counselors... And even, like, well-intentioned guidance counselors. There's just so many fucking kids in a lot of schools that, like, they're not going to have the time to do it. And a lot of them don't have the training to help out with depression or, like, anxiety. And a lot of the time, they they don't have the fucking ability to intervene if there's, like, family problems. Uh, like, they don't have the... They don't really have the ability to do anything other than sit down, offer you some saltine crackers, and go, so tell me about it. Yep. That's basically it. Uh... And that doesn't really help. So I think that's what's going on. And consequently, I think the villains of the movie really are are the parents. Miss um, Fleming is one person I would not label a villain, but like the school board that clearly refuses to do anything to like try to help the kids and is like completely apathetic about when they die. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're creating this environment where there's clearly no support network for these children, and that holds true for Veronica's parents because whenever she tries to even reach out a little bit to them, they sort of are like her dad and her mom are just sort of hanging out at the polo field not giving a shit about anything and then whenever she tries to talk to them her mom immediately goes like you're a fucking idiot this is how people treat each other which again goes toward that idea of a microcosm of a society where like to some degree that's true high school can be it's representative of like you're you're getting socially trained for like sort of unfortunately how hostile (laughs) Our society is because of uh, certain social norms, especially when it comes to class, which the movie doesn't talk a lot about, I'll say, but that's it, it's the 80s. It's it, it's too much to ask for it to be too woke. Um, but it, it spends a lot of time talking about uh, sort of how her parents' relationship to them is toxic and abusive because ultimately they treat her just sort of like a child because that's an easy thing to do or like a sitcom family would where it's like, we're going to come in, we're going to joke around, we're never going to talk about anything too serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you try to bring up something serious to me, we're going to go, look, that doesn't seem like it's your problem. Why the fuck does it matter? Just don't worry about it. And she doesn't feel safe or confident telling them about Jason Dean being a threat to them because she doesn't feel like she can trust them with that information, it seems. And that whenever whenever it seems like she killed herself, whenever uh, Veronica fakes committing suicide... All that her mom can say is, oh, no, I should have let her get that job at the mall, which is like the most like petty misunderstanding of her daughter's problems imaginable, which suggests that she doesn't know anything about her, really. And again, that sort of goes toward like everybody. None of these kids seem to feel comfortable talking to their parents about the issues that they have. And there's no school, anything to really help them with these problems. And that's especially egregious with uh, Jason Dean, who... I, I think is driven crazy by the fact that not only did his dad like either accidentally or purposefully murder his mom that's also slipped in there that uh his mom got blown up in a building along with uh you know a building that his dad was blowing up for work it's made to we're made to believe that he was at least kind of aware or at least aware that his mom like that like JD's dad knew that his wife walked into the building in the musical it's alluded to that she was unwell mentally okay and just couldn't deal with it anymore couldn't deal with her husband so it's like okay well he's about to blow up this building goes into the uh goes into the building waves at her son goodbye and then fucking gets blown up uh and from what I understand, right, uh, the creator of the Heather's musical like is was very involved. Like someone correct me if I'm wrong, 
was very involved in the original writer, like with the original writer. So like a lot of what is in the musical is what was alluded to in the movie and then expanded upon. Yes, uh, I would be interested in that as well. Um, I think that, though, it's also worth noting to go back to the example of uh, James Dean and, like, uh, Rebel Without a Cause has that fucked up relationship with his parents. Not only is, like, uh, Jason Dean's dad always moving around and working in construction, they have this thing where Jason Dean will refer to his dad as son and the dad will refer to Jason Dean as dad. They have this very weird rapport where it's sort of blurring the line between child and parent, mm-hmm. which I think effectively shows that there is also no emotional support there. Yeah, and I think that's also kind of why they do yeah. that is it's like they have a very fucked up relationship and this is just one of the many layers like it at first starts like as like a little joking thing where his dad gets home and it's like how is like how was your day son blah 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 and it's like okay like they could ha- possibly have a normal relationship but the more you see of his dad and the more you see them interact with each other it's like oh this is like scary like very scary unhealthy like his dad is a total sadist yeah it's very very strange um and then i think that because of that like you can easily pin this movie on them and i think that that's why this movie is so important is that like mean girls goes a little bit into the idea of like just as a companion piece because like breakfast club does a little bit but it doesn't it's not particularly interested in how bad it can get because in Breakfast Club, it's just, you know, you fuck up. You, I think I think the idea... They briefly mention, I think, that the nerd in the Breakfast Club considered suicide. And that, I think, is the most serious moment in the film. But it's not treated... It is treated somewhat seriously there, but it's not as big an issue as it is here. Um, it's that these are problems that, you know, maybe they could get heavy, but, you know, it's implied that, like, this is a cautionary tale. It maybe could get kind of heavy if these things happen. But Heather's yeah. is like... No, it can get really fucking bad if you don't, if we don't do something about this sort of collectively. Because parents are failing on this, the school system is failing on this, the one person that seems to care doesn't know how to and doesn't seem to have the resources to do it effectively. Um, and I think that's sort of the biggest point of the film. Uh, outside of just, you know, don't, as as I've said before, don't kill yourself or kill anybody. Um, and I, I want to I pitch to you for a moment. Uh, to go back to that other idea of this movie being female-led, um, it, it's... Imagine for a moment this movie, but you remove some of Jason Dean's murderous tendencies, and then you just shoot it from his perspective. Mm-hmm. This is a very normal 80s movie. Yeah. Which is why I think it's so unique. It's like, if you were to move some things around, it could be construed as a very normal run-of-the-mill 80s film if you if, but, if if it was just a prank like if everything that he did was just pranks that didn't kill anyone and then at the end i don't know they pulled the fire alarm and blew up the school while it was empty i feel like this would be an incredibly normal 80s movie yeah i agree and the fact that it's not that because that that is the type of movie that would get made back then too is like the yeah everybody in high school's bullshit let's let's get back at the popular kids and just fuck the school, man. Like, the school building, it represents all this shit. But, like, the thing is that, ultimately, at the end of the movie, it's kind of important that the school doesn't blow up. Because if we're going to talk about what he says before, because 
another thing that Jason Dean says before he dies is nobody loves me. The only place people with different social types can get along is in heaven. It suggests that like this idea of society in microcosm is high school. Yeah. If you can't blow up society, I mean, you can, but as an individual frustrated with the system, you can't at the end of the day, even if you murder people, even if you're like a school shooter, you can't get away with blowing up everything. So at the end of the day, all you're going to end up doing is blowing yourself up. It's just going to kill you, which that's what it does. By the end of the movie, as you said, the mental illness and just the, the total abuse and apathy, uh, that kids in this movie experience from adults and i'd even include the college kids as being abusive adults oh absolutely because if they're in college they are technically adults yes the abuse and apathy that they get from adults in this movie is just an onslaught it never stops the most compassion you get is from miss fleming and everybody knows that she can't do anything to help you and that that is what overwhelms him it drives him crazy he goes fucking nuts uh, and then he it kills him. He blows himself up at the end because it just it can't do anything else. There's nothing else to be done. You can't change the school. And I mean, Veronica by the end just tries to do the one thing that she thinks might help, which is go and hang out with Martha, because that's what her conscience allows. And again, yeah. in the in the age of school shootings, this this movie is so important because it not only offers a message, and this this is where I think it gets really crucial. This movie you could be tempted to say is a good movie to show to high schoolers to be like, look, don't kill yourself. Don't kill people. That's important. Don't do that. This is all bullshit. We know it's all bullshit. Try to tough it out and be there for each other as much as you can. Because everyone around you is suffering in some way that you don't know. It does that. And I think that's really good. It also is a good movie to watch as an adult and go, holy shit, there's nothing in place to help kids. And like you, Obviously, the the level of escalation in this movie happens much, both faster and slower. Like, now, in in the modern era, the only thing that I think is unrealistic about this movie is that Jason Dean, he wouldn't have poisoned uh, Alpha Heather. He just would have shown up at school with a gun and then just shot her and probably the other Heathers and, like, five other people before killing himself. If he wasn't involved with Veronica at all... um, He would have probably just gone full school shooter. There would be no subtlety to his actions. But because of Veronica, there is a lot more subtlety. And yes. because he essentially becomes obsessed with her, um, it changes his course of action in an even scarier way. It's not to say that school shooters aren't scary because that's shit fucking insane. And yes. that's terrifying. I can't imagine going through something like that and having something like that like that happen in a school where you're supposed to feel at least kind of remotely safe. Yeah. We, uh, yeah. We graduated from high school uh, briefly. I believe um, both of us got out of school briefly. I think before the real wave of school shooting started. And I mean, you, yeah. you grew up in Canada, so there's less there, but in the U S uh, it was like, yeah, because we have different guns. In the U S it, it's really spiked. Like I graduated in 2013 from high school and that was yeah. before, like it was like, that that was after I think Sandy Hook, but it was before we we had gotten to the point where it's like yeah, routinely every single day or every single day almost for a while there it was like there was a school shooting. Yeah, and the only thing it's... that slowed that down is fucking COVID. So mm-hmm. that thank, tells you honestly, everything. thank God. But yeah, <sighs> it's it's a very interesting movie, and what you said was like 
pretty much like that's what I got out of the movie the first time I ever watched it. And that's why I was so interested to watch this with you because it is such a crazy commentary on things. And I don't know if you have any other thoughts, but what you said pretty much rounds out what I'm thinking too. I said a lot of what I thought at the top of the podcast. And I think it's a really fabulous film ahead of its time. It still holds up. Uh, yes. In 2020, I I love Winona Ryder. I love the entire cast of this movie. I think they all took this script and they really made it something special. And I think um, if you are old enough to watch this film, because there's a lot that goes on, it's worth the watch. Yeah. It is like if you have never seen the movie and you are watching this podcast. Go watch the movie, listen to the musical, and get, like, you know, watch what we're talking about because it's so interesting. It's one thing to hear about what this movie is, and it's another to experience it because it is absolutely an experience. Yes, absolutely. If you if you get the opportunity to sit down and watch it, then I would highly recommend it. Um, I, I did want to note, like, for those of you out there... Um, I think that this movie uh, is good to watch. Just to, I, if you're in high school, it's a good thing to sort of watch and think to yourself, you know, it can get this bad, but like, don't ever think that suicide or killing people is the answer. It's not. It's going to ruin your life. It's going to ruin the lives of those around you. The mm-hmm. hardest, honestly, the saddest part in the movie, I think, outside of like whenever Jason Dean comes out and says like, you know, uh, yeah. Nobody loves me. Um, which is difficult to hear because you realize then that like you know he's he's just a fucked up dude. Like you obviously, I'm never going to say that it excuses any of his actions. And Veronica no. absolutely it was justified in breaking up with him. Um, but uh, he's a fucked up kid in in his own way. And the, the most heartbreaking scene in the movie, arguably, which is still kind of funny when you watch it, but when you think about it, it's devastating is after the football players die uh one of their parents you know goes up and says i love my dead gay son because to them that's they're the only people like all the kids at the funeral just kind of like wow they're dead it's fucked up and then a couple are like yeah this person bullied me so good good riddance the parents who understand what it's like to lose a child are the ones who realize like no they're gone forever and it may have been partially my fault and uh that weight is terrible and i think that understanding it you you know this movie could be for high schoolers but if you're an adult like if you're my age or older if you have kids or like you know someone who has kids or hell i'd recommend this movie to people who maybe are like yeah fuck high schoolers i hate high schoolers like sit down and watch this movie because it 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 does a great job of explaining to you like yeah they're kind of shitty like these are everyone in this movie is kind of a shitty kid but yeah. like when you when you look at it from the outside like this movie tries to do and really look at it with empathy no one in this movie who's a kid really is the villain in a traditional sense because it's not their fault there's this whole fucking failure of a support structure to help them so even it's not well it is still the heather's fault that like martha tries to commit suicide it's the fucking school's fault for letting her get to that point it's it's fucking our society's fault for making that body 
objectivity thing for women be so prevalent to make women feel like they need to be thin. There's mm-hmm. so many fucking things that are out of these kids' control that yeah. you can, can't really blame it on other people, especially other kids. So even though I, I never, just to verify, I never want to go back to high school. I know Fuck people no. who are like, high school is the best time in my life. Fuck that shit. Absolutely not. I met no. my girlfriend in high school. I'm lucky to have done that. I'm glad we got out. I feel like we escaped like a fucking prison for doing it. Ugh. High school conditions are sometimes worse than prison conditions in certain parts of the world, which makes me go, oh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. will never, ever want to go back to high school. Like, I met you during my high school years. Yeah, me too. But fuck that place. Fuck it. I was half homeschooled and it still sucked. Yeah. I I wasn't bullied in high school, really. But I like, was! I know, and that's that's the fucked up thing. It's I mean, gay. I, I'll, I'll toss this out there. I'm a cis, straight, white dude, and I'm over six feet tall. So basically, no one wanted to fuck with me, really. Uh, and, I, and, you know, there's other aspects of me that, that make it a little bit harder. I was a little bit more vocal and outspoken. I, even then, even though I wasn't as smart or emotionally intelligent, I was still articulate enough that I'd be able to, like, vocalize my problems. So I performed well in school. I also performed in the theater. All that type of stuff sort of insulated me from, like, being beaten up. And I had enough good sense to not be a fucking jackass. Or or not not even to not be a jackass. To not raise my neck up too high for anybody to stow, you know, yeah, anybody to come over and try to, like, kick me down. Yeah. But as a result, like, I still didn't like it. I still felt miserable. I didn't know who I was. And when I think back on then... I was routinely just miserably thinking about how much I wanted to leave and go somewhere where I could be with people who understood me and cared about me and respected me because all the kids at the school, even though we were in similar situations and circumstances, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to communicate with these people. They didn't know how to communicate with me. All of these people were, I found out later because I was so disconnected. A lot of these people were sleeping with each other and getting into these terrible, toxic relationships and, like, uncertain of what to do with their lives and didn't know what they were going to do after graduating Mm -hmm. and had all this pressure from their parents and all this shit, and it's just, it's terrible. It's a fucking terrible time. It's awful. And honestly, it's so interesting that, J.D., it's like, because uh, the school is society, in a sense, he is kind of right because high school is, like, a condensed version of the shitty things that are happening out in the world. They're just, you're at school every day, all day. It's in your face. Yes. And those problems of, you know, having to be a certain body type, having to look a certain way, blah, 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 so on and so forth. All that pressure that's still thriving out in the world, unfortunately, it's just different. And it's less condensed and it's less in your face. But if you look for it, it's absolutely there. So it's interesting that JD says that because to a point, it is true. And he's one of those characters like you don't want to sympathize with him. But it's unfortunate when the quote unquote villain makes a good point that makes you go, fuck. Well, yeah, Veronica's disenchanted with it. And I I mean, we haven't talked a whole lot about Veronica outside of her parents because for the most part, again, she's in the right for most of the movie of this is all bullshit. I think that she doesn't, like a, a lot of us, when she sees the Heathers initially or whenever she's viewing the Heathers initially in the movie, even though she's known them for a while, she's mad at them. She's immediately distasteful of their ways of doing things. Because in real life, you know, that's sort of our instinct. And for a lot of media, unfortunately, we treat women who 
like having sex around that age like monsters we we treat mm-hmm. them like sociopaths and psychopaths and we we treat them like they're evil uh and we don't view them the same way and in the same breath we don't treat people like martha as being worth helping we treat we don't want to punish or really try to help either of them with the self-esteem issues that are causing them to act the way that they do and you can't do that because then they blow up also i found out i was listening to a podcast uh yesterday there's apparently now hidden i don't know if this is true in canada there's apparently now corrections officers in like so many fucking schools in the united states now and routinely kids who act out even a little bit will just get straight up arrested no that's not a thing uh that's that's the thing here in america you will be sent to like these security prison max schools and there's also private prisons in the united states that specifically kids get sent to uh, that's basically kind of fucked up well yeah they get sent to these private prisons for minor offenses and judges by the way have been in my home state of pennsylvania it's been proven that judges were bribed like if a kid like skipped school for a day they could get arrested and then taken before a judge to get sent to a private prison to basically do slave labor for a company that was for profit that would make these kids workers to do like manual labor uh for like ridiculous lengths of time for incredibly minor offenses all to make Fuck. money that's insane and like, i don't like that yeah so like and there's also all this other shit where like there's they've been cutting funding for like special needs departments and they've been cutting funding for like counseling but they keep bringing in cops so what happens is the kids who get fucked up like like your like your jds or that type of thing they just get thrown in jail like before he does anything even i don't at the beginning of this movie, I don't think it would help JD to get thrown in jail. I don't think that's how you fix JD. No. Let, let's say that. Not. It's not. If you get him the proper mental help that he needs. Yes. But in, but that wasn't a thing in the 80s. Yeah. And now it's also still kind of not a thing because instead in the United States, you just we just throw you in a fucking hole in the ground. <laughs> we yep. send you to jail. Uh, we, we send you to like a private prison and then like basically to put you in a hole so that you uh whenever you grow up then you'll probably have to do a crime because you won't have any like resume to get a job so you'll probably become a criminal and then we can throw you in prison forever because that's how we make money in this country so it's fucked it is absolutely it is absolutely fucking fucked and you know what else is fucked in a different way you have to talk about the show you have to talk about the heather show now hayden what do you mean oh haha so i forgot i was like you mean the musical like the show because my musical theater ass is like oh the show like the musical theater like you go see a show no all right kiddos this is how we're wrapping this bullshit up so i don't know what year this was made i don't care it's it's in the 2010s it's in the 2010s my wonderful amazing beautiful friend lucia who I mentioned at the top of this podcast, she told me that there's a thing called what is known in the Heathers fan community as Paramount Heathers because it is a Heathers reboot series based, oh, that is made by Paramount. And it's fucking garbage. So what they did is they made, wait for it, the social outcasts of today, as in, girls who might be a little bit bigger which they're like oh 
in the fucking trailer, this pisses me off so much. Because it's like your weight doesn't matter. It's, fuck you. As long as you're healthy and you love yourself, go fuck you. Whatever. I'm mad. Um, this is Hayden Rage Hour. I hope you're, you're ready. Good, you're good. Keep going. So, <laughs> so they made Heather Chandler a, a bigger girl who, in my opinion, I'm like, hello? She still weighs less than... Uh than uh, Martha in the original film, by the way. She still weighs, like, palpably, yeah. visibly less. And the whole thing, they're like, a fat girl can be positive now. It's like, oh, or, like, can be popular now. It's like, um, they like to use the term body positive, and it's made to be this really bullshit thing because body positivity is a good thing. Love yourself, damn it. Yeah. Um, And then Heather... McNamara, uh, I think is... McNamara, yeah, it was McNamara. They're like, oh... Like, the gender queer. I was like, you mean the adorable, like, gay kid? Yeah, they're great. I love them already. But they made them such a stereotype. It's like yeah. the stereotypical, like, oh my god. I don't sassy remember gay half friend. this. They made it. Yeah, they made McNamara the sassy gay friend. And then the Heather Duke is the fucking, like, token Asian kid. Yes. And I'm pissed. Because they're, like, these are the minorities that we need to be standing up for and, you know, making sure that there's fucking world equality, all that shit. No, they take this shit and they make it, they make them the fucking villains. <laughs> they villainize them. I'm so angry. No, they, all, they also, they also blow the load right in the trailer where they show you like, basically, basically in the movie, it's a slow burn up until 30 minutes in that JD is, is fucking crazy. And he's going to murder these people Yeah. in the trailer. They're just like, Oh yeah, he's a psychopath. He has all these guns. Yeah. No. And you just see that he's got just like this wall of fucking guns. And it's just like, yeah, it's like the fucking men. in ah! black armory. Uh, It really is. And I hate it so much. And it's just, <sighs> okay. Okay. I, I think they also show you, like, Brad, you remember your reaction when it's like, oh, fuck, Heather Chandler's dead? Yeah, they show you that. They show you that in they the trailer. They show you that right in the fucking trailer. They're like, you know what's going to happen. It's Heather. They, they basically like, tell you the entire the entire movie. Yeah. In, uh, you don't need to watch the series, which don't. Don't give Paramount your money for that. Fuck that. Fuck Paramount Heathers. It's basically, they tried to Riverdale Heathers. And Riverdale's hot garbage. I don't care. If you like it, that's fine. I hate it. It's a dumb show. There, I said it. Anyways, Paramount Heathers is the Titans to the 2003 Teen Titans. Yes. That's basically, that's Paramount Heathers. It's fucking awful. Watch the trailer um, and you'll know what it is. Like, you don't need to watch the show. Just watch the trailer and you've watched the whole show. They made uh, Veronica, who's like, originally kind of like an awkward bookworm like she's awkward she's a little bit of an outcast herself who has put herself in the situation of being part of the heathers but she's clearly not one of them um in the fucking paramount heathers this bitch is just like your typical hollywood like cute blonde who's like maybe the cute girl next door who's like a little awkward maybe a little outspoken meh like they make her so quaint and they dumb down that character because veronica's character is so fucking yeah. important and great and i love it and paramount <laughs> heathers is garbage it's garbage i'm mad but there's paramount heathers i have a really good review here uh that i think you'll like of paramount <laughs> heathers <laughs> Uh, so this uh, is Daniel yes, Flenberg of the Hollywood gimme, gimme. Reporter. 
Uh, he describes the series as a pale imitation of okay. the 1988 film and goes on to say that having the high school tyranny mm-hmm. associated with a gang of students who, in a different era, might have been marginalized, uh, those being, you know, genderqueer, overweight, or uh, not white, produces a dark and yep. almost reactionary undercurrent in which the disenfranchised aren't being bullied, but rather are wielding identity politics and political correctness as weapons. Which is to say, it's like, you see, guys, it's the SJWs that are the problem now. <laughs> Which is not what Heather's was about. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Uh, no, it's not. That's Honestly, Paramount Heather's just completely misses the fucking point of Heather's. You don't need to watch Paramount Heather's because yes, the original I... movie still stands the test of time. It is still fucking relevant. It still works. And if you want something updated... Yeah. Listen to the musical. Watch clips online. Like, read the... You can go on Wikipedia and read the whole plot summary if, like, you're not getting everything out of the soundtrack that you want. That's what I did. That's what made me go, oh, fuck, this is... this. There's so much more to unpack here. Then I watched the movie and went, oh, fuck, I love this because it's really... It's yeah. still relevant. Yeah. Paramount like, Heathers can I, suck my dick. It's so fucking stupid, <laughs> It's just fucking stupid. Like, even my thought, my thought is that, like, Heather's is so already kind of relevant that you don't really need to update it. I mean, you, one criticism you can give the movie, it's incredibly white. There's not, I think, one not white character in the movie. Yeah. It is still a product of its time. Let's not beat around any bushes. It's still a product of its time. But I feel, I feel like the, the bent, uh, the, the impulse to make the not white characters not like I would get casting like a black Veronica even I feel like would be fine or like a not white Veronica like an Asian Veronica whatever like a, a non-white Veronica would be fine like that it's funny that you say that yeah because to bring back my lovely friend who uh, was making the audio drama in her version Veronica is half Colombian. Yeah, that's cool. That that fits and because it doesn't it doesn't make that it doesn't make that ethnicity into a villain trait. Exactly. And it's um what she did is so clever. Like she's such a wonderful writer and I'm just shilling out like go follow her on Twitter, Lucia Lobosvia. She is amazing and so smart. If you like Avatar the Last Airbender, she's been doing like character analyses. She's been it's fu- it's fabulous. Um, but she wrote it so it's like she has like pimples on her face and in the musical it's like you could stand to lose a few pounds blah 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 which is what Heather Duke says that's coming from her own place of bulimia but um, it's like well the way maybe if you didn't eat all this like Colombian food you wouldn't look the way you do and they're like the Heathers are like essentially being shitty and racist which adds a whole other level to that societal shit. And just the way that Lucia wrote it is so clever. And it just adds to the um, incredible scripting we got from the uh, movie and the musical together. She combines the two into this, what Paramount Heathers thought it was doing. Right. But she makes it good and relevant. They have smartphones and stuff like that. And she brings it to the modern era so seamlessly yeah and i want to see that i want to see that get picked up yeah and that that sounds like it has much more empathy because that's 
That's what I think the core of Heather's is, is empathy. Mm-hmm. And the w- it is about empathy. Yeah, the way that your friend wrote it sounds like she really does care about the characters and the people in these situations in real life. Whereas, I don't know what the fuck the show is doing other than like, oh yeah, let's make another fucking, uh, let's make another Riverdale. Yeah, it's just another Riverdale is what it is. I will actually send you the scripts for the for her adaptation if you're interested. Sure, do that. I'll, I'll check it out sometime. Uh I think yeah. uh, I think that's it though. We've uh, as yeah, as I said, I think that's this it. is a uh, this has been the voyage of of the Nerdacy. We've uh, we've gone through. We're we're back in Ithaca. Our our son has a uh, has confirmed that we are his father as we have murdered all of our wives' suitors. Yep. I don't know if you have any any oh, other jokes Iliad. you want to toss out about Odysseus. No, not really. But uh, that was Nerdacy, guys. Uh, thanks for coming on this very long journey with us. Uh, Heather's is a lot, but it is so fantastic. And I encourage you to go listen to the musical. I encourage you to listen to both versions, both the UK and the original off-Broadway, because the UK version adds some new songs and the song You're Welcome is fucking, it's a lot. It's, it's heavy, but it's very good. Um, yeah, go follow Lucia on Twitter. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at, at HeyBellVoice. You can find me on Twitch at Hayden Davio. Um, to plug anything new, go actually subscribe to Dork Tales on YouTube. Yeah. They are wonderful Dungeons & Dragons uh, YouTubers and Twitch streamers. Uh, follow them on Twitch or subscribe if you want uh, on twitch.tv slash dorktales. Uh, follow them on Twitter. Uh, we need to get them big because I'm part of it. I'm part of their It's Always Magical in Fandelia campaign. And it's they're really wonderful people and they deserve so many more views than they get. I have nothing to shill out myself. Yes, I'm a part of Dork Tales, but go follow their stuff. They're fun. And if you need something lighthearted after Heather's, go watch the first episode of It's Always Magical. Hello, it's Always Magical in Fandelia is up on their YouTube channel right now. Go watch it, and that's all I got to do. Uh, yep, Brad. Nice. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'll plug, of course, our main podcast, Titanomaki, where uh, we go through every episode of Titans, the live-action DC Comics series based on the Teen Titans comic books and uh, cartoon. Uh, we get very, very mad. We finish season one, and soon we will be posting our movie review of teen titans go to the movies uh hayden and i need to re-record it because my program fucked up uh but we'll we'll release the original half of uh of that commentary with uh hayden and alejandro yeah alejandro did most of the talking that episode so i think it'll be yeah it'll be good um i I could just add digitally add in me saying yeah every couple minutes um yeah that'll That'll be, about That'll be right. fine. Um, I'll also <laughs> plug. Uh, shit. Um, what was I gonna plug? Don't. I don't know. Uh, go watch Hayden's other thing. She's in Goblin Slayer. She's great in it. Uh, yeah. Watch Goblin Slayer. Watch the help. If you need a warm hug after this, go watch the helpful Fox Enkosan. It is the most wholesome show. I'm in it as Yasko Koenji. Go watch it. Go watch some anime. Do something nice for yourself. Go st- stand outside. Wear a mask. Wear your fucking mask or I'll hunt you down. Yeah. Um, I, I won't pull a JD on you, but I will fucking hunt yeah. you down. Wear your fucking mask. Anyways, uh, 
Go outside, get some sunshine on your face, take your dog for a walk. Or if your cat knows how to walk on a leash, take your cat on a walk. I live in Los Angeles. That's a normal thing. My friend showed up at the door the other day with her cat. That's cool. So go outside, get some fresh air, get some sunshine, get that good vitamin D, take yourself on a walk. Just do something nice for yourself. I know right now fucking sucks. We're all stuck in our homes. It's scary. We don't know what the fuck is going on. Also, go vote. I'm not an American citizen. I can't vote. I need you guys to vote on my part. Yeah, and if you can't go protest, do it. Go protest. Go, do, go. But do it safely. Yeah, do it safely. Wear, wear a mask. Uh, bring a riot shield. Yeah, and know that this podcast is in support of Black Lives Matter. Yes. You just have to say it. Absolutely. We... we we miss Cyborg and we support Black Lives Matter. These things are, yep. are intrinsically those true. Are, those are like the two main themes of this podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, thank yes. you guys so much for listening. Yep. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye. The music for the intro and outro is Better Days, composed by Lakey Inspired on YouTube. Go check them out. And just as a reminder, this episode of Nervousy is sponsored by Caitlin on Patreon. Thank you, Caitlin. You can also become a patron and get an episode of your own by supporting us at patreon.com slash titanomaki. That's patreon.com slash titanomaki. Thanks. Bye.